Welcome back to uh, our what? podcast. Our podcast. Yes, our podcast. Which the name of is? Is uh, What Stories Say with Seth and Seth. Thank you. That's I'm Seth. You and, and I'm Seth. And I'm Jessica. And today we're going to talk about um, Sleeping Beauty. So mm-hmm. Seth's going to start us off with our first part and we'll move from there. Okay, it feels wrong for me to be the one introducing this because this is your favorite Disney princess movie, Dad. Yeah, um, it is. And uh, there are a lot of reasons behind that. It is a fantastic movie. It uh, artistically kind of imitates a lot of old, like medieval artwork uh, and stuff like that that fits really well with the with uh, the setting. That's that's really really cool. Um, and. Uh, this is also the first of the Disney princess movies in which we're going to see a little bit more of the prince as a major character. Uh, Interesting side note, some of the scenes with Prince Philip in this movie were originally scripted to be scenes for the prince in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Mm-hmm. But the Disney animators at that time realized that they weren't good at making a realistic male character look the way they wanted it no. to. Uh, you can pro- you probably see when you watch it that the, the prince is given as little screen time as possible. And, and, and they, in the, the prince in, yeah. in, Snow yeah, the prince in Snow White does, like, not, not really fully intentionally, but he does kind of come off as a little bit effeminate in his design. Yeah, and you could tell that they weren't really comfortable with how he looked yet. And so they scrapped those scenes... Um, for that movie, but some of them made it into Sleeping Beauty. And and, and I, I just want to bring up again, it's, it's interesting because in the uh, Snow White, we talked about how it almost felt like going through a museum in, in, in like frame by frame. Mm-hmm. You could, and I actually feel like Sleeping Beauty is very similar. It, like it's a different period of mm-hmm. art. But it's but, but it feels again almost like you yeah. can go frame by frame. It's like and it's a it's a you said inspired by medieval medieval art, but it's also very inspired by the art of the time period in the nineteen late nineteen fifties. There's yeah, it's kind of a a amalgam of this modern art sensibility with these mm-hmm. shapes and images from. The Middle Ages, and it's very it's a stylized. really interesting meeting of the two. It's really stylized and really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, um, the uh, I think one of the one of the really interesting things. I mean, obviously, I already mentioned the prince, but one of the really interesting things about uh, Sleeping Beauty to me um, is that. Uh, Aurora or Briar Rose, the main, ca- the 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 princess in the movie the isn't really the titular character isn't really the main character. Uh, like she kind of seems like it if you don't dig a little deeper. Uh, that's a different that's Disney princess movie. Princess. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but she has a very limited amount of actual screen time in the story for yeah. being. And people criticize this movie for that, and they say that. Um, Sleeping Beauty, Princess Aurora, is very passive, and she only gets something like 16 minutes of screen time in the whole mm-hmm. film. But she's it makes only passive because she's asleep. Well, okay. <laughs> but it, it makes more sense that yeah, well, that's part of the criticism. But it makes more sense <laughs> if um, you if you recognize that she's not 
the point of view character and that the story is not following her story arc. And the story doesn't really follow Prince Philip either. Like, he's an important character in the story, just like she is. But the characters who we actually follow most directly as the main characters of the story are the fairy godmothers. Yes, the, the, the three good fairies. The three good fairies who... Laura, Fauna, and Mary. Uh, who take her away to, to live in the forest at the beginning of the story after she's cursed to protect her until her 16th birthday when she's supposed to prick her findle, findle? Prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and die. Yes. Um, and there are very few scenes in the movie um, where the three fairies aren't present. Yeah. You know, there's, there's basically the scene where um, Aurora or Briar Rose, as she's known at that point in the story, meets Prince Philip in the mm -hmm. woods. There's a couple scenes from Maleficent's point of view. Most, most and, of and a scene, a scene with the two kings singing about oh, their yeah. children getting married, <laughs> and a scene with Prince Philip telling his father that he's going to. And then Prince marry. Philip getting captured. But the and, the bulk of the movie is told directly from their perspective, both the side of uh, Aurora's character at the beginning with her being a young woman in the f uh, living with the fairies in the forest and um, and kind of establishing her character there and then later with Philip as he goes to rescue her they're along for the ride the whole time and when I was a kid I always felt a little upset by that because I wanted the cool prince character to be the one to do everything it felt like the fairies were taking too much of his job. They help him get through the the because he briars. was along for the ride. They weren't along for the ride. Yeah, exactly. He they, was along for like, the ride. But like, they're the ones who kill the dragon. Like, really, he holds the sword, uh, and but they, they enchant, enchant it to hit her heart and kill Maleficent at the end of the story. And so, when you recognize that these three, like only sort of competent uh but very well-meaning middle-aged uh ladies are actually the main characters of the story it changes your perspective on a lot of that and it changes my perspective on the ending to realize actually it was good to do this because they were the ones who were it was their character arc the whole time not phillips so, so I want to start. I want to talk a little bit about the psychological uh, aspects of uh, Briar Rose or Aurora and mm -hmm. and and the Prince. Um, you know, going you know, thinking about kind of the events that she's experiencing, right, and her and her ability to cope with them. Going, you know, thinking about how we've talked about the two previous princesses, and who are Snow White and Cinderella, right? Yeah, and I think I think it's interesting as Briar Rose, which she, is kind of like her peasant girl alter ego, right? And she doesn't know in this version of the story that she is a princess, right? She's she's taken away to to go and be separated from anything that could be potentially dangerous to her in her infancy and so she grows up seeing herself as a peasant the peasant girl briar rose living in the forest with her three aunts three aunts 
she so so the thing is is she appears to be very well adjusted to her life she seems to enjoy life she seems to be happy where she is <laughs> mm-hmm. happy with the people that she's around which is just her three aunts none there's no yeah. indication that she really has met much of anybody I mean else. she's kind of got to be well adjusted in a, in a certain sense because while the fairies are good at their the fairy things that they do they they can handle uh, magic and things like that domestic life obviously doesn't come naturally to them and it almost feels uh, when we when we see Briar Rose interacting with them in the second act of the story it almost feels like she's raising them more than they are her um i i i think that's i I agree the the one the one fairy that seems to have some competence is the blue fairy meriwether's been really competent and so she allows for uh that has allowed briar rose to get to the point where she can appear at least more competent she needed to have at least one role model right and so but but i do think seth is right that there's there's there there's there seems to have been a point where she kind of takes over and she's the one who's really running things. And these three fairies who really are not very competent think they're running things, but they're not. <laughs> they're doing um, their best. So she's, she seems like she's doing well. And she doesn't seem like there's any, there's no indication of any hard, particularly hardship or anything that she's yeah. necessarily having to face. She's really generally really happy with, the life that she has, the one thing that she uh, is kind of uh, longing for in the story is um, is that like romantic connection that just kind of makes sense for a 16-year-old girl to be thinking about. Yes. Well, it doesn't seem like she has any awareness of who her parents were or where she came from. No. It doesn't appear, I mean, we don't have a lot of details in the story, but... I don't think there's any indication that the fairies have given her a false narrative about where she came from, just that they haven't told her anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think there's something about not knowing who you are or where you came from and not having any really secure parental figures, because you're pointing out that the mm-hmm. fairies don't really function as fully functioning parents. Mm-hmm. They function as reasonable guardians, but not parents um what's what do we think about that well i think um i you know i I guess i think back i think on it and i think she's had to well she's had to make some obvious adjustments Mm um and it, 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 it's hard when I'm thinking about that because I'm thinking I'm thinking okay this this uh it's the 14th century oh, <laughs> um, and 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 so there's a very different perspective if you're thinking about that time wise than than somebody nowadays I mean if you, if you had a five year old nowadays who was forced to kind of take over and be in charge I don't know I think about my dad though my dad was his his mother had some pretty severe psychological uh, uh, problems and was not a real capable mother all the time. Mm-hmm. And his dad was blind and was unable to do a lot of the you know parenting stuff. And my father is the oldest of his siblings and he's frequently told us about how he had to 
basically take care of and be the parent for for his younger siblings. Um, you know, so so I so I think about that. And that's a, again, you know, that's an anecdotal personal experience. Yes, but your dad knew who his parents were and where he came from. And I guess the right. question I'm asking is, what do you think is the psychological effect on a young person of not having any stories about their family, who their parents mm-hmm. were, who their grandparents were, where were where they came from? Right. She doesn't have any family history. See and. It, it, that that's true. So and so, you know, you have the the question is where, where does her context come from? That that part of her, right. that that is that self identifying part of her, um, and 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 that's hard because there's also no indication that she has any kind of religious upbringing with these three fairies, because if mm-hmm. she had that. That that oftentimes can make up for that. So you, if you, if we assume that there's a religious aspect to her upbringing and that she believes in God and that she, then then that actually can sometimes make up that difference because it gives you a core identity. Without that, with with no religion and no and no parental or family history, uh, you know that's that that's a that's that's tough. And you think about. In the research, people who have lived in the woods all by themselves, um, they usually are not well adjusted. They do mm-hmm. not adjust well, and, and they certainly don't adjust well coming into into society. And so, I, there's a, there's a bunch of things here that are very interesting. There's this, you know, she, there's no. I, I get the idea that she's not been around people. It's not just that she doesn't have a romantic partner. I get the idea she hasn't been around people they've been hiding no. her from everybody so that they so that she wouldn't be discovered yeah we they now the fairies specifically don't use magic mm-hmm. during yes. all of her upbringing they do all of it without magic so that their magic won't draw the attention of maleficent to find them but then i mean there's so many logistical details here and i know this is just it's an animated movie it's a short fairy tale but you think like, where is their food coming from? Where is their cloth coming from? Where is their all of these things coming from to live for sixteen years? Mm-hmm. You think they must have some contact with the outside world, but I mean, we don't see any of that within the movie. And the only thing we really see is that when Aurora meets Prince Philip, that, and she tells the fairies about him. They seem very surprised that she knows any men. Yeah, and, and she does have a little bit of a startle startle response when she first meets him, but it very quickly goes away. Well, that could be not. I've never seen a man. It could be I'm startled to see a man currently while I'm singing in the woods about meeting a man. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I don't. I, I the the startle response had more to do to, to me. To do with meeting a strange person, oh, not yes. with yes. anything else. Oh, but... she does say they never want me to meet anybody when she says that to the forest animals. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. I I do. I get the idea from the show that that they it's just the four of them. Yeah, so she does have a cup. Even though she that she acts in a way that seems well adjusted, she seems relatively happy. She seems cheerful and and like good natured she's doing chores and dusting and gathering food 
It seems like there's some things you would worry about her. The fact that she's been so isolated, so she hasn't developed social norms. She doesn't have a family history. She doesn't have a lot of the things that you need to be a well-rounded, mature adult. Well, and you were mentioning, uh, Dad, her context and um, how, where, where, what's going on with that. And I think that there is an indication that she's not as... Uh, within the story that she's not as well adjusted as she immediately seems and that comes from a connection to that in that when the fairies have to tell her her actual story and where she comes from and tell her that she needs to go to the castle and be the princess uh and marry the prince she is like emotionally devastated to the mm. point of just completely shutting down and like part of that narratively is she's just met this guy that she really likes and she wants to be with him but she is she's not like there are multiple ways that somebody could respond to that and she responds to it by like she just doesn't talk for well, pretty first, much the rest of the movie yeah the yeah, first she scene up. she's really distraught so she's she's weeping and and cast herself on the bed weeping. Yeah. That is a meme, right? Where they have this, <laughs> Oh, it is, this, isn't this it? It's a meme where they say have Elsa from Frozen saying, you can't marry a man you've just met. And then they show Sleeping Beauty weeping on her bed. I think some other princesses too. But um, I feel like that's unfair to Sleeping Beauty because she's not only crying about... You can't marry a man she just you just met. She no, because her entire about marrying him at this point, just that he's coming to the house to mm -hmm. meet her. And her but... entire context up to this point has suddenly been uh, not only challenged but just completely thrown yeah, out the window. Yeah, she has she has the 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 identity that she has of herself. The only identity she has has just been she's just been told that that's been a lie. Your whole yeah. life has been a lie. I I don't know about about whether this is some an experience that most people have had or not but i have certainly had um an experience at least one experience and probably more where um i had an an event happen in my life that changed everything that went before and mm -hmm. that I, it mm -hmm. felt like the foundation of my world was rocked and the whole way that i perceived myself and my place in the world was shifted to uh, have I, to accommodate this new way of the, the new way of perceiving the world. I think I've experienced that to a degree myself too. You know, it's interesting because because that can uh, that can happen in a positive way, mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. can happen in a negative way. And I, I see it happen in a positive way with people who who. Um, are, are converted to Jesus Christ and, and maybe they hadn't been and then they come to, to learn of and love Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and there's a whole shift in identity but it's a, it's a yeah. positive shift it's almost like there's an addition to who they are rather than uh, a, a taking away but in, in, in Aurora's case in, in Sleeping Beauty's case you're getting a taking away like she's she doesn't feel like being being told that she's a princess is adding to who she is. She feels like it's taking away who she is. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and it's true. We see her weeping, and then 
she silently goes to the castle and is silent through all of and, the rest and of again, the... And again, is weeping. Yeah, she doesn't have another weeping, line in the entire she's... film. Yeah, we don't actually see her weeping anymore. We see her... She looks oh, sad, just, but... Just, oh, I thought she was weeping at the, at, at the, right before the Maleficent comes and takes her away. She's like, mm. she's sitting at the desk, and then she's like, put your head down. Oh, yeah. She's puts definitely. Her, she definitely puts her head down on her arms. I don't know if, she, don't know if she's, she's weeping, yeah, no, but there's certainly yeah. a, another moment where she's just. I forgot that moment. Um, so so there's so there is an indication that. That was a very traumatic thing. So raising her with no knowledge of who she was, I guess that's the point I was trying to make. Is that she didn't have a secure basis, but she had some picture of herself. Mm-hmm. But it's not secure, and so it's it's totally. Um, has the base knocked out from it, and that's a traumatic experience. And she responds mm-hmm. in a very traumatic way. She's not. It, she. It, it's an event that could lead to trauma, depending on the response. And she has a very clear trauma response. And it's interesting because it does seem like the thing that's the most traumatic to her in the story is being told she's a princess. It's not pricking her finger and falling asleep. Uh, from an evil fairy's curse. Right. Yeah. Right. Being told that she's a princess is, you know, obviously is the is the traumatic thing. And she doesn't, she really doesn't seem to have any way, any, any way, no skills whatsoever to cope with that. She can cope with the woods. She can cope with being alone. She can cope with being, you know, even, even not, you know, my, they don't want me to meet anybody. She can cope with that. Yeah. But what she can't cope with is you're a princess. This you're you're not who you thought you were. And and so I, I do think that's a that's a that's a problem. And then I think when you're thinking about um when you're thinking about her what kind of a support system she has. Well she does have these three fairies, but they're actually pretty incompetent. They're not, um, especially when you're talking about social type of support. Like they're very right. good natured, they're very well meaning, and they have relatively powerful magic. But as far as being a social support network, I don't know that they. I agree with you that they're not somebody she can really rely on. So we have, we have her going through this trauma response. She falls asleep. Prince Philip shows up and wakes her up. Um, she's very happy about that. That's restored something that she felt like she had lost mm-hmm. with this traumatic revelation because the boy that she met, that she was excited to get to know better, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't do any crying out about how she loves him or something. You know, they, they share a romantic mm-hmm. dance in the woods, but she's certainly very eager to continue the relationship. And when that was interrupted, she's, pretty happy to see him there I mean, when she wakes up. I th- yeah, I think in a way, in addition to being a a romantic response here, that um, connection to Philip is also restoring a little bit of her previous context that she lost. That's kind of Because she met say. him as just a guy in the woods before she, before everything else changed. So he is a part of her previous context that's been knocked out from under her. Yes. And she's told when she's told to, that she's a princess, that she's going to have to marry Prince Philip. Mm-hmm. So 
it's a very pleasant surprise to her to find out that Prince Philip is the person that she met, and now she has to marry him, but she's much more okay with that. Yeah. Um, but even then... Hello, this is Seth Jr. Uh, what you've just listened to is a collection of clips from a full hour-plus podcast that is available right now on our website. Uh, so if you want to hear the full discussion and the conclusion of our analysis of the relationship in this episode, you can jump over there and become a patron member. Uh, for as little as $20 a month, our patron members get access to all of our full podcast episodes, as well as uh, a ton of other great tools and classes that can help you to make a positive difference in your own life. Uh, so go to atwaterhealing.com and become a patron member today, and we will see you on Friday.